I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Looking for a way to support The Dinner Party Show? A percentage of any purchase you make through a buy link on thedinnerpartyshow.com will allow us to keep bringing you the show free of charge. If you're an Amazon customer, head to thedinnerpartyshow.com and click on the Amazon Gold Box located in the lower left-hand corner of every page of our site. Do this, and a percentage of each purchase you make at Amazon during that shopping session will support our continued operation. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for another episode of The Dinner Party Show. Hi, I'm Kristen Johnston, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I went to a marvelous party. Most people don't even know the facts. They go with their gut. The only thing your dad cares about is money. Christopher? This is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine. You first, Eric. Live from the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show. The Internet's first live comedy variety show with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. No, there's actually a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay, no, we're no, going no. to take up a collection for the stained glass window. <laughs> now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show's livecast for April 19th, 2015. And tonight we will not be talking about ESPN's Britt McHenry. Under fire this week due to leaked video of her verbally berating a towing company employee as she tried to retrieve her car. We won't be repeating the comments she made about the employee's (laughs) weight or teeth or possible mobile residence. Been there. We also won't be speculating (laughs) about whether or not McHenry should have been fired, not for her cruel remarks, but because she was informed by the employee that her tirade was being recorded and she continued to engage in the tirade anyway. (laughs) Double down. (laughs) Whether or not a TV news personality should be sensitive to the knowledge that a camera is rolling, given how many cameras are involved in TV production, is really ESPN's issue to decide. Right? Because we're not talking about it. No. That said, we will also not be discussing the social media hashtag 
fi, excuse me, fire Brit McHenry, it's quite a mouthful, <laughs> as if it were a crime against our legal system on par with the Oxbow incident. Wow. McHenry has been suspended for a week, and rushing to judgment over a selectively edited video is something we'll leave to radical right-wing media. That said... <laughs> what else would they do? Thanks to this incident, these two homosexuals who host the dinner party show now know who the fuck Brit McHenry is. Right? We still just have no clue what ESPN I have no. Be. It's the Highlier Soccer Network. Okay. I don't, they, well, they good for her. I, I hope they, they have. have a great time, and I'm glad she got her car back. That can be a huge <laughs> yeah, Really? I hope it was worth it. I guess so. I, better be a great yeah, fucking car. I hope car. it's a great car, yeah. Okay, also, we did not know what to say when we heard that some states are considering legislation to allow guns on college campuses. That's right, guns in the hands of large groups of people we don't even trust to choose their own core curriculum. What could possibly go wrong? But in the rush to make the stupidest possible response to this epidemic of mass shootings in this country, because every nitwit, nutbag, and pinhead already has a fucking gun, Texas and, you guessed it, Florida, Florida. among others, are moving to get guns into the hands of the very people who can't seem to manage to have a social event without raping each other or creating a (laughs) racist incident. How could anyone find fault with arming drunken rapists? I know I'd feel more secure. All we can say is that we think that if any such bill is proposed, it should be amended to include language that allows sniper rifles in the galleries at state houses where any such legislation is being considered. That way, trigger-happy state representatives can relive their college days every time they show up for work or maybe they'll pick up the fucking clue phone and see what a truly terrible idea this really is. Either way, we don't have anything to say about it. Yeah, but it. you made it through trigger-happy state representatives, and that's all that matters about tonight's show. Okay, also not being discussed on tonight's show, Rick Santorum's proclamation to right-wing uh, radio host Hugh Hewitt who? that he would not attend a gay wedding if he were invited to one. This ludicrous and offensive statement presumes that Rick Santorum gets invited to stuff, so we're not talking As about it. If. Invite that asshole anywhere. We were also shocked and saddened to learn that after struggling for so long for the right to marry and even having to involve the Supreme Court to restore our rights as citizens here in California, several among us chose to get married on The Price is Right. That's right. (laughs) Drew Carey, who we love, held a mass wedding, Sun Young Moon style, on the set of Price is Right just prior to the showcase portion of the evening as they vamped the show's theme song on a Wurlitzer and Drew wished all the happy couples a dollar on the big wheel of life. Mm. Frankly, we were stunned into silence. It's funny, it's campy, it's charming, and in 20 years when the new wears off, we can start getting married and the price is right and while we're jumping out of planes and underwater, but come on, gay people, we've been setting the style at pretty much everything since the Renaissance. Indeed. Let's not give in to Kitsch quite yet. I honestly think we're going to have to live down a few pride parades before it's all over. Anyway, girl, 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 we girl. still find can find our voice to congratulate all those people Mr. Carey married. And honestly, we can't help but be delighted that gay people have the right to get married as badly as everyone else, at least in 37 states. 37 and counting. Right? Also not being discussed tonight, Republican presidential contender Marco Rubio's response to Fusion host Jorge Ramos that he would attend a gay wedding Uh, if he were invited to one. This statement is ludicrous because it assumes there are gay people who might want Marco Rubio at their wedding. Right? 
Also not being discussed tonight, the forthcoming nuptials of Hugh Hewitt and Fusion host Jorge Ramos, Ooh. who can't stop asking people about their forthcoming gay wedding. We'll clue you in on whether Santorium and Rubio... Santorium, I knew it! I knew I wasn't going to make it! Santorum and Rubio made the guest list. And we'll see if Drew Carey is free. <laughs> Absolutely. And that Wurlitzer of his. Also, from the nation's leading closet case... Tony Perkins, we hear that you compared dealing with gay people to talking to Satan. (laughs) First, uh, if you're talking to Satan, you need to get professional help immediately. Mm -hmm. And second... Go suck a dick. Yeah, please. We'll all feel better, especially you. But that's all we have to say about you. Mm-hmm. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm being informed by our manservant, Shea Butters, who patrols our Facebook page during the live show and after, that there is great excitement among the party people about our guest tonight. Miss Heather Matarazzo is in our green room. Well, get in line. I'm already excited about that. We are very excited. She's amazing, and she's even more beautiful in person than she is in the movie. She is absolutely stunning, and we are going to talk to her about a variety of things, and we have some questions for her that came through on the party line. And the party line, in case you've never heard us talk about it before, is 323-PEZ-TDPS, and it's a voicemail line you can use anytime, day or night, to leave us a voicemail. And if you've never heard us talk about it before, welcome to the Dinner Party Show. (laughs) We're a weekly comedy variety broadcast here, live on the internet. We have a lot going on this week. We have a lot of business to cover. First, I want to show you something special. Well, I call it all, you call it all fun. I call it business. I just like to have a good time. You really do. No matter where you are. No matter what's going on. It could be airport security and you like to have a good time. That's how I roll. Uh, We launched a program recently, which we will have a promo about later in the show, so we won't talk about it too much at the risk of repeating ourselves, called Christopher and Eric's Favorites. And we selected a book. I selected a book for that called The Storm in the Darkness by Sarah M. Craddock. Two of your favorite things. Three, uh, if you count Miss Craddock. Storm, Darkness, and Sarah Craddock. Yeah, three of my favorite things. She has put our seal... Christopher oh and Eric's favorites on the back of that the book. That is so amazing. Look at that. Wow. I posted That's really fast. A pic- yeah. Welcome to the new age of digital publishing, my friend. <laughs> Isn't the modern world astonishing? It's amazing. Flush toilets and electric lights and scented candles. Right. And, and our seal on the back of Sarah Craddock's book. Yeah, not three weeks after we launched the program. <laughs> How cool is that? So uh, go to Christopher and Eric's favorites at the dinnerpartyshow.com and check out Sarah's book if you sound interested. There is another book coming down the pike this week. If you sound is, interested? Uh, th- th- if it sounds interesting. To, if I sound interested or if you just think I'm bullshitting you right now, don't go check out the book. Because Lord knows we talk a lot of crap here on the Dinner Party Show. Hashtag mine somewhere else. Eric Shaw Quinn, I have a question Rice. for yes, you. Dear. Okay, so my mother is putting out more porn this week. And we have the Dinner Party Show has a history with this. And with you, it really is mommy porn. It re- you can say it and not get in trouble with anyone. <laughs> oh, I can call it. At mommy porn and no, I write erotic romance and my colleagues in A Thousand and One Dark Nights do not like the term mommy porn. They find it offensive and but this belittling. is a rare but this exception. is my mommy writing some porn. So, this is yeah. a rare exception to that rule. This is a book called Beauty's Kingdom. It is the next installment in her Sleeping Beauty series. It has gotten rave reviews. It has gotten reviews on a level that she hasn't been prepared for because erotica <laughs> didn't get reviewed this wide. Intergalactic? Yeah, like, like Saturn gave it a big thumbs up and Matthew <laughs> Three McConaughey rings. came 
came back through the black hole and <laughs> three rings. You know, I knew there was a reason I keep you around. Uh, well, that's it. Now we're done. I can leave now. We have an affiliate link for Beauty's Kingdom going up on the Facebook page now. We will have a product page up on the dinnerpartyshow.com at the end of the day on Monday. So if you're listening to the podcast or one of our encores, you can go back to thedinnerpartyshow.com and buy the book there and we'll get a percentage of the sale. All right, I think I covered almost all the business. We can almost have fun. There's one more thing. There's more business. Oh my God. There's, There's a lot thing. of business. We're a very business-like group here at the Dinner Party Show. We really are. Ask anyone. Party Except people. people who've done business with us. My party <laughs> oh God, those bitches are trying to get Not us to do more people. work for that. Ugh. Oh my God, the emails. Anyway, we need iTunes reviews. We have we have a, a lot of party people out there, and we would like to ask you. We discovered that there is something called iTunes. <laughs> yes, there's something called iTunes reviews. And so, if you haven't already, we know some of you have who listen to us every week. But Thank you, you very much for discovering what iTunes reviews are if and you, doing it. If you are a fan of our show, if you are inclined to leave a review. Please do, and we will be reading the cleverest line from a new iTunes review every week here on the Dinner Party Show. Excellent. Yeah. I think that sounds like a great deal of fun. Okay, that's all the business. What's Well, fun? I think there's one more bit of business. Oh. I don't know where we are with the count because I haven't asked Shay about it, but we have said that for every 500 new names that are added to our mailing list, you just go to the website and sign up. Um, we will be having a special mailing list only drawing for a special minted batch of Uncle Eric's homemade cookies. That's right. Yeah! Look at that. Somebody was ready with the children. Children already screaming. Children. So, yeah, so I don't know where we are with the count, but it's inching up all the time. So, if you haven't already signed up for our mailing list for special alerts about shows and upcoming events and new guests and new additions to the favorites list That's and special right. offers on the show, um, you can sign up now and you'll be eligible once we hit the next 500 mark, which I don't know when the hell that'll be. We, who I'll knows? bake a couple of dozen cookies and mail them to the winner. Eric Shaw Quinn slaves away on these cookies. He took years to perfect the recipe. You I were really trying did. to recreate the shortbread cookies of your youth. I was trying to recreate a <laughs> memory right. of shortbread cookies because I actually got the original recipe and I made it and it didn't taste like the cookies that I remembered. Mm. So I spent... A year or more, changing baking times and slightly altering ingredients and getting to so that they are exactly the way I remember and not the cookies that are actually in and the... And once you cook them, you separate them to cool, right? You literally put them in separate... I yeah. do, because after you, I cook them, I ice them. I and see. if you stack them, they'll stick to each other. So I, But if you leave them out to um, for the icing to set up... The cookie part dries out, so I sealed them each in an individual Tupperware container. So there's yeah. stacks of tiny Tupperware now don't, containers. Don't give out too much <laughs> of the recipe on the air because if, if the show goes down in flames, we're going to have these cookies to sell. So we need your cookies as a fallback plan. But that isn't the recipe. That's just yeah. I know. Tupperware. I'm just I'm just warning you. I'm just warning. That's you. just how the cookies I'm worst don't case stick scenario together. Guy, but uh, it's a secret recipe. Yeah. It's Eric Shaw Quinn's proprietary secret. blend of shortbread cookies. Excellent. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that really is all the business. Yeah, and cookies, I don't know, cookie business. The, the cookie business, the cookie business. But I, it's big business with people wanting their cookies. Um, we are being asked for a shirtless photo of our videographer, Jason Mark. I wow. will. Mike Martinez, I will discuss. <laughs> Talitha would also like to know if you're single. I'll find out the answer to those questions during our next break. Instagram gets introduced to the dinner party show with mixed results, as well, we can with, see. Well, with the, the internet's most efficient um, 
process, right? Getting hooking up with each yeah, other, right? Totally. I think that's the main reason for, yeah. for the internet. Did you see Amy Schumer's appearance on Ellen by any chance? She was a guest. No. I think, what did week. she do? She said that um, she's on a uh, she has an app that's called Tinder for food. And then she goes on Tinder and it says, there's a scone within 0.5 square miles of you. Do you want it? (laughs) She said, Ellen said, are you an L.A. person? And she said, not really, because when I'm here, my arms register as legs. And (laughs) this was Amy talking about herself. Amy is a riot. Amy has absolutely no boundaries about what she will say or what about her personal life and her personal habits. Absolutely. Yeah, she must have been. I didn't see the. She hosted the MTV Movie Awards. I didn't see it either. I didn't see them, but I'm sure that she was. I'm sure she was. You know. (laughs) um, Yeah, breathtaking at the very least, like in in a gaspy sort of way. Well, I, what I thought was interesting about it, and some friends of mine who don't live here sent me the link to it, is, is Ellen said, well, what do you do when you're, when you're in L.A.? And Amy said, I cry. I just cry. You know, <laughs> that's what I do. Like you do. But she captures something that even the most ridiculously beautiful people feel here, because all the most ridiculously beautiful people in America, what, are you the one that said this to me? The most beautiful person in every town came to L.A. thinking they would be the most beautiful person right. here. And, and so now we have here. the most beautiful store yeah. people and the most beautiful waiters and the most beautiful trainers and the most beautiful yeah. grocery store baggers, because everybody can't be, only about 200 people get to be really big stars. And yeah. Everybody else just has to work here. That's the truth or they get to work here at the dinner party show so the scenery here is great it is it really it is great it is great and the well, landscape's okay too we have um we have an interesting transmission from book tv i'm being told coming up we, we don't usually in have... honor of your mom's um yeah. upcoming release um, oh okay this should be interesting. yeah they, we thought we would uh look in at uh c-span's book tv okay well we will check that out and, and then... another new sponsor that's right. We have another new sponsor. What's the new? Do you know anything about the new sponsor? I don't. I don't it's some game company. Oh, God. okay. Oh, should go well. So we're going to have that for you right yeah, now that's here the on way the to Dinner talk Party about Show. Our oh, yeah. Sorry. No, we love our sponsors. We love you. We love you. Keep it coming, <laughs> folks. Keep it coming. And then we will be back with actress Heather Matarazzo. Can't wait. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Coming up next on C-SPAN 2 Book TV, Book Talk. This week, live from Pernickety College. Good evening and welcome to Pernickety Women's College Forum for Literature. I'm your host, Honoria Rothrode, and tonight's guest is Patience Hellbiscuit, Emeritus at Pernickety's fraternal counterpart just across the Tebbit River, Cajon University. We're both appreciative and honored to have Mr. Hellbiscuit join us this evening. Our scheduled guest, Arthur Pansy Petty, was unavoidably detained by an unforeseen knitting incident and will join us for next month's PwC Literary Conclave. But Patsy's faux pas is our good fortune. Mr. Hellbiscuit's expansive reputation precedes him. Though I must confess I'm not as familiar with Mr. Hellbiscuit's work as I might be, tonight's proceedings should remedy my failing and expand what I'm certain is our bon chance, I'm sure. Please join me in welcoming our esteemed colleague from just across the murky waters of the tepid chairman of the Cajon College Poetry Department and poet emeritus at the esteemed institution, Patience Hellbiscuit. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Honoria. It's good to see you again after so many years. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. You have been lost. Oh, I dare say. We haven't clapped eyes on one another since we were both students at these two universities so long joined by tradition and eternally separated by the Tippet River just outside those windows. <laughs> I last beheld the vision of you at the English-lit Rancid Pudding Society's end-of-term diminutive ball. It was one of the few co-ed events in those days, and I'll tell you all here this evening, Honoria was every bit the belle of those balls then, as she is here tonight. <laughs> Charmed, I'm sure. Also, I'd like to point out that I'm the only poet at Cajon, so those two titles, while prestigious and I hope richly deserved, were also largely uncontested. So I hope I can live up to that introduction, Honoria. I'm here tonight to discuss my new work, The Cunny Cottage, a collection of my odes to that most wonderful and indeed my most favored part of every woman. Indeed. Her heart. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm talking about the... Patience! I forget myself. I'm on the west side of the tepid tonight and in the company of you lovely ladies. Let's just say that what I love most about a woman is that which makes her a woman most and most definitely not a man. Very poetically avoided. I thought I'd read a little and then we could talk about the poems of poetry and whatever might occur to us on such an auspicious evening. That sounds lovely. Please proceed. We are prepared to be held spellbound in your throat. (coughs) My first selection tonight is called Venus, Goddess of Love. Ah, Venus. Most earthly goddess, you transport man into the heavens from your modest mouth. (laughs) Ah, Venus, cleft by love and desire, you conceal your moist secrets with the tight lips of youth and the veiled mystery of love. What power you hold over me. From your tasty hillock, so easily surmounted and yet so well concealed from the hearts and longing of men. You are the source and end of all that man truly achieves. Our Alpha and Omega, giving life even as you enslave those on whom you turn your dark and singular eye. Ah, Venus, our mistress and our jailer. You give life verbose and make all our pursuits absurd. (laughs) Oh, goddess, you are at once the source of all confusion and our true north star. You are Venus, eternal and fleeting. We but catch a glimpse of your divinity, and then with a flounce and flourish... You are gone, leaving your slaves searching not for freedom, but only for your return. <laughs> well, patience, that was 
challenging but evocative. Thank you, thank you all so very much. And now for my next selection, for the love of clowns. Oh, I think not. That's all the time we have. Good night, ladies. Good night. This has been Book Talk on C-SPAN 2, Book TV. Join us next week for the Penis Monologues. Tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. Looking for a fun new board game to play with the whole family? Uh, sure, I I guess. I I mean, why not? Looking for a hilarious way for your family to fill their free time while they're on vacation? Absolutely. Well, why not try the brand new board game from Acrimony Brothers Incorporated? I'm all in. What's it called? It's called Who's Cheating? What? Who's Cheating? Yeah. I heard that part out. I'm asking what it means. It means, who's cheating? I really don't need you to say that again. Apparently you do. You seem very confused. It could mean a variety of things, like who's cheated at the game or who's cheated in there. In there what? Just forget I said anything. You were going to say relationship, no, right? No, 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 no. Or possibly marriage. This is ridiculous. Apparently, the distinction is very important to you. Why is that? What distinction? The distinction between cheating at the game or cheating in your relationship. Are you out of your mind? No, but you're about to be, and that's kind of the whole point of... Who's cheating? How is this game even played? It isn't. What? Who's cheating? Is designed for the person who doesn't actually want to play a board game, but still wants their family to think they're helping to pick one out. We've given it a name so provocative and incendiary, it's sure to trigger a one to two hour fight among your friends and family about what it could possibly mean and what they might have to reveal if they play it. By the time this fight is over with, all the other players will be able to go back to doing what they really want to do, which is staring at their personal devices. I see. Who's cheating? Who wants to know what that means? And what did they mean when they asked what it means? See, now you're getting the hang of it. (laughs) Thanks, Acrimony Brothers. Acrimony Brothers Incorporated is a joint venture of Apple, Samsung, and Rovio Entertainment, the company responsible for Angry Birds. Who's cheating? You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's dish. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we are joined by the lovely, (laughs) the supremely talented Heather Matarazzo. I need a sound effect for Heather. There's the children. And the children are laughing, which isn't really what I was going for. Were you going for crying children? (laughs) Screaming and fleeing to the hills? Wait, do I have those? Uh Boo, no, no. We don't want the boo. That just reminds me of my childhood. (laughs) Right? Okay, so we were playing a game earlier 
what in your Wikipedia entry is true. Mm -hmm. And there's a story in there about how you were discovered. Mm -hmm. You took over the microphone at a fundraiser of some sort. (laughs) Is this true? I'll let you tell the rest of it if it's true. How old were you? It's half true. It was a dress rehearsal. I was seven years old. Mm. I was a dancer. Mm -hmm. And... They had hired all of these people from Manhattan to come out to Long Island and participate, and everybody was complaining and didn't want to be there, and they were tired because the head of this dance company was very methodical, and Mm -hmm. it was a very important cause to her. And I grabbed the mic, and I told everyone off, and I said, if you don't want to be here, leave. (laughs) But we're doing this for shamed cho- by a seven year old. Yeah, but we're doing this for children with AIDS. Oh wow! You yeah. know, so it's not about you, right? Get on board or go home. <laughs> right, right. And, and a talent agent was in the audience and saw this. Somebody that was hired from Manhattan to come out to Long Island saw this, and I guess an actress was born <laughs> and said, "Do you want to be an actor?" And I said, "Yes." Yeah. And she had a manager and she had the manager's card and gave it to me and I gave it to my mom and went into the city, met with this manager and I was this quirky looking kid mm-hmm. with, you know, weird teeth and thick hair and You're beautiful. Hair. Thank you. Yeah. And um I started going on auditions and booking jobs right away and Wow. Yeah. How old were you when you did Dolls House? I was eleven. My God, that's really, you were like previous life. You were an actress in a previous life or something. That's astonishing, that performance from an 11-year-old. Thank you. And so what did life become for that 11-year-old? You were suddenly, how long a shoot was Dollhouse? It became a tragedy. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't Like a phoenix rising from the ashes. (laughs) Um. The truth is, it's so hard for me to answer a question like that because it's the only experience I've right, had. Right, right. So I, I've been acting my whole entire life. I started when I was seven, and it wasn't even something that I said I wanted to do when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be an actor, but I'm going to. And I didn't know if it chose me or I chose it or if it was a little bit of both. But after Dollhouse came out... I did not realize the significance and the impact it would have on so many people. And I remember the first time I got recognized, it was at an airport, and this woman came up to me and said, your performance changed my life, Mm -hmm. this movie saved my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel as though it's overwhelming for anyone to hear, especially when you're first starting out in that quote-unquote fame game and getting recognized but for a child because I I was probably 13 at the time I didn't know what to do and I'm a relatively shy person Mm -hmm. Um, I've gotten a lot better in terms of receiving compliments however then I would collapse in on myself Mm -hmm. because it was also drilled in my head from a very young age you better be humble, stay humble, don't get a big head, stay humble, stay humble. So I thought that acknowledging a compliment and looking at another human being and saying thank you so much meant that I was being rude. Mm. And I was being or arrogant e- to accept or it. Or arrogant yeah. okay. to right. accept it. Mm-hmm. And the 
so I confused humility with humiliation. What what would you how would you normally react? Would you try to diminish the compliment? Because would, that's what I hear a lot of people do, no, including I would myself. Say, Thank you. Thanks so right. much. And I would get very small. You would literally try I to make yourself small. I would dim my light. Right. Yes. Yeah. I would yeah. turtle. Yeah. In on myself, and now I have no neck. <laughs> I got no neck monster. And we've captured that on camera. Tonight we'll be showing we will, that later on YouTube. Tonight we are bringing back Heather Matarazzo's <laughs> neck. But it's interesting to hear that because, A, I've heard that a lot of actors are shy, which uh, surprises people. Heath Ledger was apparently very shy. He was somebody who had trouble looking you in the eye when he spoke to you in person. But when the camera's on, you know, they, they come alive in this sort of newly animated way. But uh, living in Los Angeles, so many actors, particularly those who have struggled for a long time to break in, they, they, they hit this mantra of, I have to, there are going to be times when I'm the only one who believes in myself. So I've got to be balls out, forgive the expression, chest up, you know. And you encounter a lot of actors who seem very tough. And, and so it's interesting that you were able to stay vulnerable in the midst of all of that and to, and to sort of address those feelings. Because I imagine, I don't, don't really have any experience with acting, you can't numb yourself out because you're going to lose access to stuff that you're going to need later for a performance. Yeah, well, for me, I definitely went through a period of numbing myself out. Mm. And it's it's really, it's, it's interesting. I'm, it's interesting, I think, to achieve a certain amount of notability when you're young mm -hmm. and you're a teenager and... Being an adolescent is already hard enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. The challenges so then, of just that. Yeah. So then you add on being somewhat recognizable. You right. Were, you won a national. You won an Independent Spirit Award yeah, for that. I mean, it was that, a big deal. But that. But then also for a character that was so con that was considered quote unquote ugly. Mm, yeah. That was considered unattractive. Right. And in my little thirteen-year-old head. When reporters would say, how did it feel to play someone so unattractive? What I would hear my filter filtered it into, how does it feel to be so unattractive? Mm -hmm. How does it Gosh. feel to be so ugly? Yeah. And, you so, do, and it's not really what they were saying. No, not at all. Is, not at all. Not, you know. Some some were out and out rude. Right. Um, what do you think of this culture in and around celebrity where – there's an entire industry built around saying hideous things, particularly women saying hideous things about other women. Their makeup, their outfits, their also gay men get involved. Like yeah, the, 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 yeah. the old Joan Rivers show. I love Joan Rivers. Fashion but I never police. liked that show. There was this that, big controversy about fashion police recently where there were these I racist know. comments made. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is particularly hard on women, it seems like, or harder. Yeah, like, can you imagine them doing it to men? Saying the same thing. What was George Clooney thinking when he chose that jacket to wear to this event? Like, it it, it is. It's a really strange thing to. But that's always. But that's always been the case. Whether it's in the entertainment industry or look at someone like Hillary Clinton. Oh yeah, right. You know who's absolutely Secretary well, Marsha Clark. State. When yeah. she was uh, critiques about her hair while she was trying the OJ huh. case. The yeah. OJ case. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I, I th there was a moment recently. It's slipping my mind because I try to repress them. Where where I, I thought. Somebody was saying, making some criticism of Hillary Clinton, and I, w I just thought they would not be saying this about a man who had been Secretary of State. They Absolutely would not, not be saying it. They would Absolutely not. not. Yeah. 
Um, there's a book out. I don't mean to derail the conversation. Please it derail came out, it. It came out it's just a, a week it's a ago. It's a train wreck. It's a dinner party. <laughs> it's a dinner party, right? We we were talking earlier during the break about what type of dinner party guests we each were. We all thought Eric was a wonderful dinner party guest. I think I'm not a very good dinner party guest because I sort of close in on myself. But it's called So You've Been Shamed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a not very academic sort of a personal exploration of people who have been shamed on the internet for doing something that a large number of people have perceived as bad or wrong. Mm-hmm. Justine Sacco is the example, the, the publicist who tweeted, going to Africa, hope I don't die of AIDS. Who's, you're, you know, who am I kidding? I'm white. And then it had been retweeted around the world. And what people are pointing out about the book that apparently the author of the book hasn't even really realized is that the women who are shamed almost never recover. They've not recovered professionally. They've not been able. They were subjected to death threats and rape threats on Twitter, whereas the men who were shamed by this author's definition are kind of fine. They have book deals. They're on their way back. Tiger so, Woods is yeah. playing in the Masters recently. But there is a Losing, sense that, but like, still playing. you know, with the, 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 the double standards are everywhere. I just saw on Twitter that Meryl Streep is starting a screenwriting lab for, for women over 40. Women over She's 40. funding it. It's yeah. fabulous. Good yeah. for her. It makes yeah. me wish I was in my 40s. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're stick not. I'm almost day. there. You're, you're, well, yeah, absolutely. So we have a question for you on our, on our party line from one of our loyal party people, Mike Martinez. Okay. I wanted to ask you about one of your older projects. Okay. Hey, guys. Mike from Chicago here. A uh, quick question for Heather. I've been following your career since, well, almost the beginning, and I really enjoyed you on Roseanne, but I have to ask, was it a lot of fun or a lot of work or somewhere in between? It always seemed like you were having fun. So spill. <laughs> yeah, that show. A, a little stinger there at the end. Yeah. So much with that show. Okay. Here's here's the behind the scenes story. Oh, good. So I was filming, and I hope Roseanne doesn't mind me telling this. <laughs> well, she's probably already um, writing a book about it. So. Well, yeah, because she thinks so much of me. <laughs> Not like meaning that, you know what, she likes me. Um, however, I was filming townies on the Carsey Warner lot. And at that time, the Carsey Warner lot was home to Sybil, Roseanne, Third Rock from the Sun, Seinfeld, Grace Under Fire. God, I feel so old telling this story. <laughs> you were very young when you were doing yes, all of this. Yes, that's true. Yes, yes. For a child. And Roseanne was on that, you know, lot mm-hmm. and... I loved Roseanne, loved her, loved her, loved her, loved her, always loved her. So funny. And every day at lunch, I would get a cup of ramen noodle and I would walk around, you know, the lot. And I went to Roseanne's lot and they had a security guard and I snuck on. And (laughs) good for you. Just like Spielberg used to do. Yeah. Yeah. and, And the line producer recognized me. Her name was Jeanette. I will never forget her as long as I live because she was really, really awesome. And she said, oh, like, this isn't a good day. Why don't you come back tomorrow? Came back the next day. This isn't a good day. Come back tomorrow. (laughs) Went back the next day. And this went on for about a week. And I'm grateful I had the chutzpah I did then. I have a little less of it now. And... Finally, the day came. It was the right day. And what seemed like a mile down this soundstage, and it probably wasn't that long, I heard, hey, hey, you. And it was like, (laughs) 
like the lights turned on and roaches scattered. And I was the only one left standing there. And I'm like, me? Yeah, you. And I go over and she's like, I fucking love you. What are you doing here? I was like, I'm doing Tony's. Why the fuck are you doing that fucking show? Yeah, that sounds like Why didn't I know you were here? I want you on my show. And I was like, Really? Though part of me was already like, is this part of like the Hollywood blah, blah, blah? Right, like, right. Let's do lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, what kind of character do you want to play? And I was like, I want to play a strong, independent woman that has some problems. <laughs> and how old were you at this time? Like 13. <laughs> <laughs> Still grabbing that mic, Yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. And she was like, great. And... Two or three weeks went by, and I didn't hear anything. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I got the call, and I got to do four or five episodes. And there was one particular episode where they're trying to get Roseanne out of bed because she's in a deep depression. And they'd written a scene for just her and I, and it just wasn't landing, and she didn't like it. She didn't think it was funny. Didn't think it was funny. She'd be like, this isn't funny. I want it written again. And this is this goes back to the point of, you know, the double standards. Mm-hmm. If that was a man doing it, right. like Chuck Lore, I've never met the man and I'm sure he's lovely, mm-hmm. but he's like the biggest person I can think of right. in terms of especially sitcom TV. It, he wouldn't be called a tyrant. He wouldn't right. be called anything except a gifted professional. Mm-hmm. Right. But with Roseanne, she was called difficult and a mm-hmm. diva and hard to work with. But all I saw, and I just tweeted this the other day because we were talking about um, the DGA and their war on women in terms of women not being able to get any directing jobs. And I, I tweeted that, like, Roseanne was... Con- I was told was hard to work with and she was strong and smart and fabulous, but she invited me into her trailer mm-hmm. and we improved the scene. Wow. And I made her laugh. And it was one of and still is one of the highlights of my life. Huh. I bet. And she was like, Yeah, let's just go and improv. And we went and we did that scene completely improvise it and I got to work with Debbie Reynolds who I'd loved wow, from The Unsinkable Molly Brown yeah one of my favorite movies growing up love that yeah. movie excellent we're gonna take a short break and then we'll be back here on the dinner party show with Heather Matarazzo and another question from the party line and more Roseanne stories yes <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The internet is full of people talking about stuff they hate. So on the dinnerpartyshow.com, we've decided to launch a new feature that's all about stuff we love. That's right. It's called Christopher and Eric's Favorites. Each month, we'll recommend a variety of products we just can't live without so that you can enjoy them, too. You can visit Christopher and Eric's favorites at thedinnerpartyshow.com, and that's where you can also sign up for our newsletter and be the first to know when new favorites are added to the site. And remember, if you use any of the buy links on thedinnerpartyshow.com, a percentage of your purchase will help support the operation of the show.
You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we are here for the dessert with Heather Matarazzo. Mm, and it just keeps getting better. Brought the party people who listen to our show live are commenting on the Facebook page that they love the deep thoughts you are bringing <laughs> to The Dinner Party Show. We're usually kind of, I guess, pretty shallow in their estimation. Pretty shallow. Eric Shaw Quinn. All right. I'm the most shallow. <laughs> in this part of town. We have, we talked about your work on Roseanne mm-hmm. and improving a scene with Roseanne and we have mm-hmm. a question from our party line about another project that you did uh-huh. Another important more theatrical mm-hmm. release. Hi, Chris and Eric. Uh, thank you for inviting Heather to your show this week. I really love it. Um, my question is for Heather and Heather, uh, what was it like or could you describe what, what it was like to perform your demise in Hostel 2? Oh boy. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, Let me preface this by saying we did when we talked about your forthcoming appearance yes. last week. Yes. We both shared that we are too big of a ninny to watch Hostel Two. Fine, <laughs> I could barely watch it. Oh my god, I can't imagine. Although I would think it would be a lot of fun to be in something like that. I, I wouldn't go, but I think I would love being. Like in there one must of be those. a great sense of play in doing a horror movie like that. Um. Yes. <laughs> I don't think so. I no. you take the reins. No, I'll, I'll say this. Filming that scene took two days. Wow. We were filming in Prague, and there was no mat. It was me. I was hanging between 15 and 20 feet up in the air for 20 minutes at a time. Oh, wait a minute. I so had... there, was, there was literally 15 feet between your head and the ground? Yes. Oh, my God. And... I had practiced on an inversion machine for about a month. Okay. So it wouldn't be getting to film for two minutes and then get me down because I couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. So I had worked for a month and was able to hang upside down for about 15 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, my feet were in these straps. And when we first started filming, I started what I thought was my feet was slipping. Oh, God. And I had my hands... You know, wrapped up behind my back and a thing in my mouth. And I was like, I'm going to die. I'm Mm. about to die. And I went into a blackout. Oh. And those two days, here's the really amazing gift. It opened up a new aspect of being – it changed the way I was as an actor. Wow. It clearly opened up a channel that I didn't know was there before or I had glimmers of, but Mm -hmm. it was just whoosh. So I don't really remember any of it. Any of the two days you don't really remember? Don't really remember any of the two days. Um, And when I went to do ADR, which is after the film is over and they have you do, you know, dub your lines for some things that they didn't get on the day. Right. I could not watch that scene. Mm. It was because I wasn't looking at myself. It wasn't me. It was very, very, very strange. Wow. So. And this is a scene for those who don't know the movie. You're being murdered. Yes. You're being tortured and murdered, which is what happens to the backpackers who go to this hostel. And I will say that it was banned in three countries, Mm -hmm. not because it was so gratuitously violent, but because of what was emanating out of me. Really? Yeah. They said it was your performance that... Um, When Eli Roth went to the MPAA Mm -hmm. to get it rated, they had the biggest problem with that scene. 
Mm-hmm. And he said, why? And they said, it's her, it's, it's her, it's her voice. It's her reaction. It's too much. Wow. And he said, so you're going to punish this actor because her performance is so great. Wow. Um, but the, it's it's I've heard this about the MPAA. It really, it, particularly with violent films, it's when they sense the line of separation blurring, and it's like they picked up on what was really going on for you during that scene, right? Yeah, and and the truth is is that there are so many fucking actors that talk about well, blah blah well, fucking I don't know how I'd fucking do what I do. Right. All I really know is that I'm a fucking channel. Right. Like, shit comes in, I do it, and I don't think. I'm not one of those actors that sits there that's like, okay, so here's this teacup. You're going to say this, and then I'm going to move this teacup, and blah, blah. Like, give me a fucking break. It's not all process. Yeah. No, because I don't think. I'm not thinking about what you're going to say and how that's going to, like, no. Right. You know? Um, And that's why people don't go to the movies to see me. Mm. They go to the movies to see themselves. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's why people fall in love with certain actors because they see themselves and they know what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No, it sounds like the lesson from your uh, from Dawn, from early on, the dawn of your career. But I'm bummed. Sorry, I'm sure that's the first time you've heard that. <laughs> that actually um, is. Oh wow, that's there you amazing. Go. Well, I, I whatever. <laughs> um, but that that sense of people coming up to you saying that they hmm. saw themselves in in that mm-hmm. performance mm-hmm. and. It, and it transformed them. Yeah. I guess it's sort of been the sort of hallmark of your work right along. I guess so. I mean. Again, I'm, not calculated. Yeah, no. And I'm very hard on myself. You know, I, I feel. Do you watch most of your performances? I can't. Mm, I, interesting. It's really hard for me. Like I just did an episode of Stalker and it took me about a month before I watched it. Mm. Because I'm so hypercritical mm-hmm. of the stuff that I do, but then it, but that to me is just my ego. Because on the day, all I'm saying is, okay, whatever the character's name is, I already forgot. You know, come through, like let's go, and then whatever comes out is what's meant to come out. Right. Mm-hmm. And if slight adjustments need to be made, slight adjustments are made. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the Lawrence Olivier story you always tell about Dustin Hoffman and Lawrence Olivier? I'm extending my hand to Eric Shaw Quinn, <laughs> dinner party show people, since you can't well, see it. The reason I love the story is because I actually got to ask John Schlesinger about the story. He was making Marathon Man, mm-hmm. the two of them. And there's a scene where Dustin is going to be tortured by uh, Lawrence Olivier's character, who is a dentist, a mm-hmm. killer dentist or whatever. And um, John directed the film. And uh, Dustin came in the day of the shoot and he'd, I don't know, stayed up all night and thrown himself down a flight of stairs and done all kinds of, you know, stuff to sort of get himself to a kind of distressed point so that he could begin in the middle of this torture session. And Lawrence Olivier is legendarily reported to have said, "Um, well, my dear boy, why don't you try – Acting. <laughs> <laughs> right? You knew it. Yeah. yeah. You knew the punchline, yeah. Heather. John yeah. says that he didn't actually say it to Dustin, that he said it to John when they were looking at the dailies. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So that he was, which I think I like that story better because it would be a bit much to say that to a fellow actor. Right. You would, you would, yeah. On yeah. the Almost set. Almost calculating. On to the throw set. Them. That's yeah. kind of hideous. But yeah. to have said it at dailies, like, well, I don't but know. I why, mean, why doesn't he try acting? He looks to, terrible. Yeah. I mean, to each their own. But that, but that to me also is 
is a bit of ego in, in regards to look at all of this work I'm doing as opposed to just doing it. Right, just showing up, yeah. Right. I, I think Ang Lee said that of Joan Allen, that she could just do it. Like, it didn't matter what was going on on the set, she could just start. Yeah. Because she would just start where she was. Yeah. And start to, you Let's know, go. Like, yeah. We'll talk about your wife I, and kids. I, I think it's amazing. Then... I have, like, a sprinkling of community theater in my background. I wouldn't call myself an actor because I think writing often is so, or for me, feels so the opposite of that. No, but I feel like it's the same exact thing. I agree. It's yeah. this, because uh, for me, and I am not as, uh, I'm not going to characterize myself you know, in terms of a writer as, as you are. However, when I do write, what I find to be so fascinating is it starts with, for me, a visual scene, and I write it down, and then I, I write down what I see, and I write down what I hear, and then a few pages in, they'll say something, and I'll say, no, that doesn't make sense. That, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll, it'll, they'll be persistent. Right. And I'll do it, and then I'll be like, oh, my fucking God, you were right, because on thir page 13, this makes complete sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I have uh, – so there's a it, – it's a level of surrender and trust. And a governing spontaneity. I just coined that phrase, I think, right? Like the, 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 there's a logic that emerges from being free and surrendering to it. Yeah. yeah. It, I, yeah. I, I always feel when I'm writing that I have to get into character to be – you know, what sort of point of view is this story being told from? Who are these people? I have to get into that character. Right. And then it leads me where it leads me. Oftentimes it's stuff – where I'm like, well, I did not know that was yeah, going to happen. Right. Yeah, which is which is what's all I feel like as a transcriber, whether it's in front of the camera or behind. Absolutely, Just yeah. a it's exactly the same. Yeah, absolutely. We could keep you here all night, Heather. We're almost out of time, oh if God. you can believe it or not. I feel, I'm seeing a, a sort of a, a dramatic play about you and Roseanne. Like I'm, I'm seeing that scene in the trailer done on stage I as part of a theatrical story. production. That's such oh a God. great story. I think you should write that in a few years. My favorite part is your 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 impersonation of her yelling all the way across the sound yeah, stage. Like, hey, you. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So you have a project coming up that you can talk about and yes. one that we have to leave shrouded in yes. mystery and, and yes. suspense. Yes. And the project coming up is Sisters with yes. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And Amy Poehler uh, and wow. Meyer Rudolph wow. and um, Diane Wiest and James oh Brolin and Bobby Moynihan oh and God. John Leguizamo. Wow, wow. Um, An all-star cast indeed. It's insane. And you, and, Heather and, Mazzarella. Heather, Heather Matarazzo. Right, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the night of tongue twisters on the Dinner right? Party Show. Uh, when can we expect that? December of this coming year, I think. Okay. December 2015, I think. What's yeah. the setup? What's the... It, it uh, just two sisters that find out that their parents are selling their home. And, mm -hmm. you know... Teen Hud Fay and Amy Poehler just yeah. make some magic. Yeah, yeah they really, they really do. How wonderful! Yeah. And what are you? What, what, what will you? Be I doing play in the one of Maya Rudolph's best friends. Okay, I love Maya Rudolph. She's so do I. Such, did you love working with her? Was She's it your first fabulous. Time? Yeah, it was my first time, and yeah. I'd auditioned originally for Maya's role, and then Maya got it and then they called me about two weeks before they started shooting and they said we absolutely love you we want you on this 
like we'll create a character for you. And I was wow. like, wow. sure. And it was right before I was moving to Los Angeles. So it worked out perfectly. That's right. You just moved back. When yeah. we met, you were still Not living in New York. Back. Yeah. I, this is the first time I've ever lived here, period. Yeah. Excellent. Well, oh, welcome. oh, I just assumed, well, how myopic of me. I welcome every the- actor lived here at some point. <laughs> yeah. This is your first, wow. First time ever. Well, welcome. Welcome. Thanks. Welcome to this dollhouse. And we'll have, yeah, right? <laughs> we'll have you back to talk about your early thoughts about living Absolutely. in Los Angeles and your many other things. Christopher Isherwood, period. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Heather Matarazzo. It was oh, lovely to have you here this you evening. Thank you so much. And next week, we will be joined by singer Sam Harris. Who will be over the rainbow? Wow, the entire country with his rendition of "Somewhere Over the Rainbow," which won Star Search. Yes. right. He won Star Search. He won Star Search. He has a memoir called "Ham Slices of Life," which he is on the road promoting. Excellent. Currently, and he will be here to talk about that next week. Until then, I'm Christopher Rice, and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And thanks again to Heather Matarazzo for joining Thank us you tonight so much. on Thank the you. Dinner Party Show. I'd be to a marvelous party.